0: Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. Everybody get some good sleep last night? Anybody sleep at all last night? Yeah. Uh, Lord has blessed me that I can sleep anywhere in any situation, and um, I'm super blessed for that. Anyway, it's good to see everybody this morning. Um, We're going to be back today in the book of John in uh, chapter 15. So if you would go ahead and turn there, while you guys are turning... um, I just want to reiterate, I know uh, Michael said it explicitly last night, you know, two of the main goals that we have for the Advance. I just want to say them again. We want to help foster a ministry mindset for One Hope believers. We want us to think of ourselves as ministers, and we want uh, people to see themselves as inventors and organizers of ministry. And we're going to have the opportunity to do that today uh, as we have breakout sessions. You know, there's a number of us in the church, and we have different... Gifts and different strengths and weaknesses. I have some things that I'm good at. I have a lot of things that I'm absolutely just the worst person at. Um, and there's a lot of you that have a whole lot of gifts and talents, and some of you guys have an opportunity to use them like crazy in the church. And some of you have a lot of gifts and talents and haven't had a whole lot of opportunity. And hopefully today will be one of those days where you can um, uh, help get your help get your mindset, you know, to the point of you know what can I do um, for the Lord where I'm at in Athens, whether if it's. You know, if you're a family person, if you're a single person in town, if you're a college student, how can I serve the Lord um, and through uh, one hope at where I'm at right now? And um, we talked about Psalm 51 at the end of the service yesterday, uh, and it, just a powerful chapter. I Hope everybody had opportunity to go back and pray to think about that. Uh, we talked yesterday. Michael talked about Jesus being the vine. And the Lord's divine dresser, and He prunes, and uh, a lot of us have things that need to be pruned. So, um, even after our message today, um, I would say just periodically, maybe this week, uh, go through and read Psalm 51 and see if there's anything else that the Lord's maybe laying on your heart that might need to be pruned away. Um, So, before we talk about where we're going to be tonight, uh, this morning, sorry. We're going to be in chapter 15, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through... Seventeen, but before we do that, I'm just going to talk about something that's going to seem completely random right now, and then hopefully will make sense in a second. Uh, I'm just—I was just thinking about my prayer life uh, through my life. You know what things were important to me when I go to pray from the time that I was a kid and believed in Jesus through high school, through college, through um, you know where where I am today, having kids. And I remember—I um, remember being in college and meeting Tara. And most of my prayers were, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? You know, uh, what do you want, you know where do you want me to go? And by the way, there's this girl named Taryn. I think she's really awesome. And uh, <laughs> if that's supposed to happen, that would be, that'd be great. You know, and uh, there's a lot of those prayers. And then after, me, and then after I got, we got married years later, most of my prayers were, Lord, you know, I struggle in this area. I struggle in that area. pray that you'd forgive me, help me to grow in this area. And I uh, pray, you know, pray for Tara that... Um, that, um, that you would strengthen her and the things and whatever it was that she needed. You know, Mary and May that have been really mean to at work, just pray that situation. But it's was, just it was something that's always in my mind when I'm going to pray. Now that I have kids, you know, I, uh, anytime I'm praying, they automatically come up in my prayers. You know, Lord, pray that you would protect Sailor from this for that. Pray that you would help know me in this and that. And, you know, it's just something that's natural. I don't have to think about it. When I'm going to pray, those things just those people that are the closest to me naturally come up. They're naturally on my heart. You know, might not think about uh, the missionaries in Mexico, every time that I bow my head to pray, might not think of uh, you know different things that are very important to me, that are very high on my list of importance, but you know, my immediate family always comes up. Table that, and we'll come back to it. Um, let's go ahead and read the verses. Um, we're going to go ahead and read. I'm going to start us off from verse 1 and go through verse 11, just so we have the context again in our minds. And I'll be reading from the NIV. It says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. For it is my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. So those are the verses leading up. Very powerful just to think of the claims and the weight of uh, of what Jesus said—that He is the vine. You know, He's talking to these followers of, of His that you know believe in the God of Israel, and Jesus is saying, "I am the vine." I mean, He's making some very powerful claims here, and you know, we've heard Him a, a, a lot of times in our you know as our lives as believers. So it rings true to us, but it must have been you know it must have been powerful to hear Jesus say those those words specifically. Uh, and he talks about these benefits for some and repercussions for others of what it means for him to be the vine and for us to be the branches. Um, now, as we read these verses that lead right up to verse twelve, verse ten says approximately, "If you keep keep my commands, I'll, you will abide in my love." Okay, great. So, how do I abide in the love of Jesus? I keep uh, keeping his command. you know keep his commands. And then it says in verse eleven, right after. Uh, approximately these things I've spoken that you may have joy so obey to have joy that's not generally how our minds work as, as people, as human beings so like, when you think of the word obey what's the first thing that comes to your mind it's probably not joy you know, normally we think of uh, obedience as a type of friction as a type of rubbing you know, maybe it's uh, good and you know, we understand what's good to obey people that have our best interest at heart but it still doesn't normally bear the connotation of love automatically in our mind Um, Rules, when there's something to be followed, rules always kind of induce guilt in some when you try to meet those rules, but you don't quite, and also induce pride in others when you're like, oh, that's no problem for me. Um, But the thing here that is being talked about is conforming one's own life to the pattern of God's life. Um, Disobedience shares in his life, which is characterized by harmony, grace, goodness. You know, it's not uh, obeying rules for rules' sake. It's really having your heart and your life in line with God's heart and life. Even Jesus came to his joy through the intimacy with his Father. That was a source of joy for him, being obedient to his Father. Uh, It makes sense then, you know, for us as believers that when we are obedient to our Father, Father in Heaven, and obedient to Jesus, that that brings joy for us. Because that's what we were made for. You know, other things in life when we're obeying might be friction and rub and, and don't feel comfortable. But for us to have the joy that we were made intended for, which is God's joy, we have to be obeying Him. That's part of our DNA. That's how we're designed. So that brings us to the verses that we're going to read today. And I'm going to go ahead and hop into those. This is starting in verse 12. So we're talking about uh, obedience and, and, and joy. And, he said, and Jesus uh, speaks to His disciples in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear good fruit, fruit that will last. Then my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So he says that's his command twice. So we have a couple of points here that we're going to go through in these scriptures, in these verses. But let's go back and start with verses 12 and 13. It says, this this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right? And greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for one's friend. Now that that second statement there in verse thirteen makes sense in our minds because we know that Jesus died on the cross. When he's saying this to his followers, they have not they have not experienced the loss of losing Jesus at this point. Um, so this was something that is going to definitely ring true for them when when time for Calvary comes. When they go back and read these verses later. Uh, or, you know, this is something that's going to ring true, but when Jesus spoke these words, this is something that he had not done yet. But he does actually say in verse 12, uh, love one another as I have loved you. And then follows with verse 13, talking about laying down one's life for his friends. He's looking forward to the fact that he is going to uh, give his life. And, we're, and at our point in history, we're looking back at that. So Christ himself sets the example of, of love for his followers. So point number one here is uh, we need to love one another like Jesus Man It's not love one another like You know Like a brother loves his brother Or this that and the other Or like really good friends Love one another like Jesus Well that's a That's a pretty high uh, That's a pretty high standard Isn't it? Um, and it's interesting Jesus says this to his followers Before he goes to the cross But then we have many more statements In the New Testament I'm just going to rattle off a few Ephesians 4 two be completely humble and gentle Be patient Bearing with one another in love 1 Peter 4.8 Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. 1 John 4.8 Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Romans 12.10 Love one another with genuine affection. And there's many other instructions also in the New Testament for us to love one another. Why does mutual love matter to Jesus? You know, why is this command? Somebody feel free to tell me. Well, I mean, the, why, why is that important for the church? Um, and you see this command so many times in the New Testament. I mean, it's not one or two. Jesus says it twice as a command in this section alone. Why, why do you think it's so important that believers love one another? Um, probably because the mutual love Jesus had with his Father and the Father with him. was wanting to invite us into that same experience. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? If we can't love one another, we certainly can't love people who aren't right that's good absolutely 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 that's good those are all very good answers i mean for the church it's vital that we love one another for inward church health and for the outward mission if the church is now the vehicle for Christ to work among people, you know, as we've read in Corinthians, you know, if that's how God, as, that, as that's how we grow and that's how uh, we reach the world around us, yet in the church there's strife and division, you know, we're not going to be a healthy church, we're not going to grow, and we're not going to be the people that God wants us to be inwardly, and we're not going to be reaching the people outside of the four walls of the church as uh, as Christ intended and commanded from us. So, yeah, it's absolutely important. So it's a, it's a it's bedrock principle. Um, I'm going to read 1 John uh, 3.16. Um, John really caught the meaning of, of what Jesus said here. And it's not John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16, which is also a good one to, to memorize. Um, this is how we know what love is. If anybody asks, what is love? This is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives uh, for our brothers. Powerful verse. So, point number one again is uh, love one another like Jesus. That's a, a tall, tall task, but that is uh, that is our command, and that takes us into verses fourteen and fifteen. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For it all th- uh, for all things uh, that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So, point number two is obey Jesus. <laughs> and we've already talked about, you know, obedience is not, uh, is not a, a, a I mean, it can be difficult for us because of our sinful flesh, but when we're in, when we're operating out of obedience, that's not a bad place to be. That's where the joy is. So even though that's, that's something that we're commanded to do, um, that's also where we should be, and that's where we're going to be the happiest. Uh, just a, a real quick thing, too, I'm going to I know Chet was going to use this later, but I'm going to go ahead and be- beat him to the punch. <laughs> um, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa, Iris uh, uh, apparently was uh, talking with Chet. And you can correct me if I get any of this wrong, but I know I was talking to Eduardo too, uh, a small group, and he was saying that uh, in their relationship they had read the, the Love Languages book. Good book. Um, and uh, I don't know exactly how it came up in conversation, but when Vanessa was talking with Chet, she said, you know, I think uh, God's love language is obedience. And, I was, and Chet was like, man, that's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, be, that's and that's what's commanded all throughout. And that's when you see... Humans being Human beings being where they're supposed to be and thriving and growing and producing fruit. And where the joy is is when we're actually doing that which uh, God commanded us to do. So that's something uh, you can take to the bank. Uh, that's a good one to remember, that God's love language is obedience. You know, what Jesus could have said, I own all you guys and you have to do what I said or else. But that's not what he says in, in this passage. Uh, he says, you're my friends if you do what I command you I no longer call you servants. You know, Paul calls himself a servant five times in Scripture, but he writes extensively about the freedom that we have in Christ, and those things are not mutually exclusive. Revelation twenty-two, there's a passage that talks about the worshiper that at the the worshippers in the heavenly city at the end of things, and these people will reign forever, these believers will reign forever. But also in that passage, they're called servants. You know, it's it's a it's they're not mutually exclusive. So the idea of servanthood. Um, you know, is here, but it's limited. Jesus is focusing really on intimacy. We see in the Old Testament that Abraham was called a friend of God. We also see that um, Moses uh, likewise was God's friend. The Lord, uh, in Exodus it says, "...Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend." And here we have Jesus in human form calling his disciples friends if they do what he commands. So it's a very powerful thing. You know, just as uh, love between the father and the son involves obedience, it's not a harsh thing. That's the same thing with the friendship that we have with Christ. And now, the important note, you know, we're not equal with Jesus. Jesus is not my homeboy. Where it's like he does his thing, I do our thing, and we're, we're cool. Jesus is my friend and my master, <laughs> You know, uh, this is an important, uh, important note here. But Jesus says here that, you know, he keeps nothing hidden. This is important because all, su- all sufficiency of what Jesus came and did for us and what he revealed to us. We're not looking for another revelation. Jesus came and showed us what we needed to know about the Father. Um, that's what Jesus did. He revealed the Father. And it's awesome, you know, Jesus, and it's awesome that, you know, the attitude of our maker towards us is that, you know, he made us and designed us for a certain thing, but there's joy in that, and there's life in that when we're, when we're uh, living life the right way, and it's in Him. And that takes us here to verses 16 and 17. It uh, says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed uh, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that, whether, that whatever you ask your Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. you know um, this is just very powerful because we're coming on the heels of what Jesus is saying in the section about him being the vine and us being the branches and there's two and Jesus says there's pretty much two things' You're either there's either branches that produce fruit that are pruned and produce more fruit and there's branches that are not producing fruit which are cut down and thrown into the fire. But he says this thing that you did not you did not choose me, but I chose you, and then pointed you. This is it's powerful because we can fall into the despair of man. I'm an awesome branch. I got a lot of fruit. Check this out, you know. And some people, you know, it's easy to fall into the pride of I've got this thing down. Look at this garden. Yep, I'm I'm an awesome branch. Or uh, to fall into fear and to despair is like I'm a branch and I've got three grapes. And here comes here comes the gardener. Oh my gosh! I hope he doesn't chop me down. You know, and and, uh, and you know, and it's easy as human beings to fall into those things. You know, I'm not. I want to follow the Lord, but I'm struggling. Or to say, you know, I'm doing awesome. You know, and I've led X amount of people to Christ, and I say stuff, and people listen, and I've got a TV show, or you know, whatever it is. And it's you can fall in, you can fall in, you can fall into either side of those. But Jesus says this statement that gets to the heart of the issue: You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Uh, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask uh, the Father in my name, he may give you. The only reason we as branches are even on the vine, Jesus, is because we've been engrafted in. There's nothing that we could do to be there. The only reason that we can bear fruit is when it's through the power of Christ. Now, if we're doing that in our own works, we're going to dry up, and it's going to be seen for what it is. So it's just a, such a powerful statement uh, that Jesus makes there. Uh, very powerful and also as I think it's awesome too that he says you know he makes this statement again that whatever you ask in my name he will give you if you're operating in the power of, of Christ uh, then then as it was said I don't remember who said it last night that when your heart is connected to the heart of Jesus then the things that you ask for are what Jesus are what Jesus wants you know when you're when you're in that uh, when you're in that type of relationship and you have that type of uh, Accord in your thoughts and in your desires. This is a powerful place to be. A powerful place to be. So, he ends with verse 17, in which he reiterates what he said in verse 12, "...these things I command you, that you love one another." And I was thinking about it today, and you know, I don't have all, you know, have all the answers. I was thinking about it this week, I was actually talking with Tara about it for just a short bit on the trip up here. You know, as, as the church, what, what does that mean for, for me? What does that mean for the church? You know, we look at the church today, there's so many denominations, so many people that believe differently. There's so many people in the same town that truly love God. And are truly wanting to serve Him, but are some in some ways disconnected. There's some people that are very well connected, um, and there's ways in our church that some of us are very well connected. You know, in, in the mission that we have for Christ, and maybe some ways where we're not. You know, I don't have a, you know the five step plan how to love each other perfectly as Jesus wants wants us to do. But I think that's something that we need to strive for. And, you know, Jesus commands it twice to people that are already following him, for people that get it, that are like, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm, you know, and he's still having to tell them, you know, love one another. And he's telling them how important it is. And so I think it's not impossible to be on the vine and be doing good things and also miss some of that commandment. Because love is very intentional. And that's one of the reasons I was talking about, you know, uh, earlier about uh, those prayers that I was having when I was in, in college and also now that I have kids. You know, I love my family. I don't have to think about loving them; it's natural to me. You know, if I go if I go to pray, I'm you know, and I pray for you know, obviously shortcomings, this, that, and the other. It's always going to come up because they're always on my mind because they're the people that I love. And one hope is that way for me too, where it's like as as a church proper. We also need to. I was just I was thinking of that too. Is like how many times does so and so in the church come up, or this person in the church come up, where it's like. I need to love them whether or not I feel like it, you know. And I need to love the church globally whether or not you know whether or not it's a natural emotion like loving your wife is a natural emotion. Um, and I don't I don't say that to you know yeah. if if you're if I don't say that to maybe to necessarily can try to get you to be convicted, but um, I, I want us to. Th- Think about that, you know, when we are praying and when we are ordering our life and when we are making plans. You know, how am I loving the church as Jesus commanded and we, as we have commanded multiple times in the New Testament? Um, And some of those things are simple. Like I said, I don't have a a five-step plan for us today on how to love perfectly. But I think that needs to be something that's part of our life, that we desire to love our brothers and sisters more. And that goes to the mission of Christ. I mean, that's important. So our main points that we have was you know, we need to love one another like Jesus loved us. We need to obey Jesus and also that we were chosen to bear fruit. And in order for us to bear fruit effectively, we have to love one another. Um, and I don't think there's like a measuring, you know, I'm not looking to put a measuring line where like you have to do this, that and the other to be loving each other perfectly. But that's something that we need to internalize and take time to think about and pray And you know, I think there's many people in our church that just do that amazingly. And I can count—I could sit here and just write off the ways people in our church love one another and so many things that are that are done. So, um, but for each one of us, I'm sure there's other areas where the Lord would like to use us in that. So, just would challenge you to think about that this week. Um, And I was just thinking about the vine and the vine dresser, and just a a, 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 a small kind of analogy. I guess came to me. There's a lot of times the church not our church in general but some churches kind of seem like uh kind of seem like a greenhouse but like one that's stuck behind somebody's property off the back you know there's fruit people come in there's fruit being grown you know good things are happening but it's really kind of isolated you know what I mean and uh we're supposed to be plugged into the vine we should be you know a, the church proper should be a bit of eden like right in the middle of times square you know come and see um and uh i think you know we have so many people out here with so many gifts and talents uh, and I'm looking forward to what comes out from today and from the breakout sessions. Uh, just keep in mind with everything that we do this week and everything that we strive for, you know, a lot of it's going to be plans, a lot of it's going to be uh, nuts and bolts of uh, how do we do this on a Thursday, how much is this going to cost, how do we motivate, and motivate enough people to do this. There's a lot of nuts and bolts where it comes to hitting the ground. Just, just keep in mind in all of this that we have to be plugged in for the to the source for anything that we do to bear fruit. It all has to come from Christ. Uh, and we have to love one another and bear with one another. We might have some ideas today that we are sure is the best idea ever, and three people tell us why it's not. Or we might have uh, somebody uh, five people come to us and tell us why they have the best idea ever, and we're thinking, what are you thinking? That's the worst I've ever heard. But we have to bear with each other and love, uh, you know, you know, and we've got a limited number of showers. There's going to be ways that we're rubbing elbows, even even in the time that we have here. But we have also opportunity to exercise love for one another, um, even today. And so, let me just pray for us um, before uh, Chet explains to us the breakout sessions and what's going to be next. Lord, I just thank you so much for your love and for your goodness, and we thank you so much for the example example of Christ who came to this world, who uh, told everything that we really need to know about you to have a happy and fruitful life. And, uh, Lord, just speaking for myself, you know, I still fall short so many times. I'm still so selfish in so many ways, and I still need you as much as I ever did. And, Lord, I need your pruning, too. I just pray for one hope this week, Lord, that you would would convict us of things that need to be gone and that you would uh, take those pruning shears and lop those things off. And that, that would happen so that we would see more fruit for you, that we would see people come to Christ, um, that we would see good things happen in Athens. Um, and and we, don't, we don't do all these things so we can have a, a bigger church or someday have a really nice building or all those things. All that's going to waste away, Lord. Uh, but the fruit is what's going to remain, and the fruit is people for you. Uh, and we desire to see people come out of darkness and into light we desire to see people that are broken made whole uh, by your spirit and by the by the blood of Christ and that's not something we can conjure uh, something that we need you for so i just pray today as we're making uh, plans and as we're organizing and as, as we're working together just pray that you would use each and each person their gifts talents whether that's the you know, gift of helping out, whether that's vision, whether that's somebody that has uh, really good organizational skills. There's so many gifts and talents just represented in this room. I just pray that you would use everybody uh, for your glory and uh, that good things would come out of this weekend. And that we would view ourselves, Lord, as on mission uh, in this world, on mission in Athens. And that we would be people that desire to bear fruit, that we would be people that love one another, people that seek that seek your glory above everything else. And we want to be plugged into you, Lord, and we want to uh, draw from your spirit, and we want, to be, we want to be useful. And just pray that you would help us to love one another and be about your work, and that it would all be about you this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.